Welcome to Between Alpha and Omega. I'm your host, Timothy Farr, and with me I have my illustrious panel of Drew and Curtis. Say hello. Hi. Oh, hey. Oh. Oh. Bringing the sexy on right now. <laughs> Got some smooth. Got some talking. Smooth. smooth. Yeah, coming for you here in the evenings. This is like noon. They don't have to know that. Oh, hey, the right. pizza guy said have a good night at 11.50 a.m. <laughs> so. I heard that from the bathroom, and I like said to myself, wow. Yeah. That guy just said have a good night. Yeah, have a good night. I always hate when they say enjoy your food, and you're like, you too. Crap. <laughs> kind of <laughs> like when a flight, attendant, a flight attendant says, enjoy your flight. You too. <laughs> you guys know Brian Regan? Oh, yeah. Love Brian Regan. Yeah. I do not know Brian Regan. Really? Oh, man. No. You need to look up Brian Regan. He, he is, is a pretty funny cl- comedian. He's been around for a long time, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, never heard of him. So he has a lot of content. Yeah. But, yeah, I saw something on Facebook the other day about Uber drivers. Like, when you get dropped off at the airport and the Uber driver is like, have a nice flight. And you have to resist saying, you too, you as too. they're driving away. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you don't have a nice flight in your car. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to ramp things in my car. In your Toyota? My Toyota Corolla, Vision. Vision, yes. Drew, do you have a car name? Your Rogue? Oh, no. Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, I'd be really basic, but I'd probably call it Rogue One. Yeah, that's cool. Or like Poe. Poe, yeah. Poe wasn't in Rogue One. I don't know. (laughs) I could still call him Poe. It's (laughs) all right. Who is... Jan Erso? Yeah. You can call it Jan. Jan. Is it Urso or Orso? Probably Urso, because Orsos are a actual name in Star Wars. Urso, right? E-R-S-O? Yeah, you're That's right. That's my guess. I have no idea. Or what was the droid's name? K2? K2-S-O? Yeah, K2-S-O. Yeah, there you go. That's your car's name. K2? Yeah. K2? Sure. Weed. So <laughs> fake weed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened this week? It's been a while since we've gotten together because we had that weird fifth Saturday. Um, so it's been, what, two weeks since we're all together? Um, Something yeah. like that. So what's been going on? Uh, I'm currently battling my gym membership because they changed up their class schedules. Nice, nice. I mean, I saw, like, after my schedule changed at work, I was like, oh, I can actually start going to these classes again, and then got an email yesterday saying that they were changing up their class schedules, and I wasn't going to be able to go. It was, like, super cool. This is great. I love it. Douche tools. Yeah, I hate when that happens. Yeah. I've been thinking about going back in the gym. Yeah. That's as far as I've gotten. Me too. You know, (laughs) it's like, it would be nice to be in shape. Yep, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I want to start doing more stuff outside and just, like, being active, but it's cold. And when it's exactly. not miserable. When it's not miserably cold and raining and snowing. Gotta love the Midwest. It's supposed to be, like, what, 60 degrees tomorrow? It's supposed to be, yeah. like, 65 tomorrow, so yep. I'm going to definitely be outside. P- perfect uh, Super Bowl Sunday weather. I will probably be in Sally, just being honest. Sally's my car. Sounded kind of gross when I said that. I'm going to be in Sally. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I you know what? I think I'm going to be in Sally with you. Just kidding. I'm not going to do that. That could have been a lot of things. Yes. <laughs> I know. I had to clarify that Sally is my car. Um, if you didn't know that, read the blog, man. Right. right? Uh, the next blog I'll be talking about is referencing my car a little bit and how I almost died in it a while ago on my birthday. Yeah. Almost dying fun. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I'm not going to spoil anything because it'll be in the blog, but yeah, it was kind of awesome being in the middle of nowhere and 
almost dying. I guess I'm the only one here who hasn't had a near-death experience. Well, I kind of jest. I didn't really almost die, but I could have. Yeah. There's potential for it, yeah. Yeah. Drew, what's been going on with you? Well, I officially started working at my new job. They do like a whole week of onboarding and training and stuff, but they kind of threw me into the fire this week, but it's been good. Found out that I have mice in my apartment. Yay! And they had babies, so there's lots of mice in my apartment. And yesterday I caught four. Wow. And there's a total of five that have died. Good, good. Nothing ends with, I can't say that word. Infest. Oh, an infestation. infestation. Thank you. A little bit, but Hey, I'm a public speaker, guys. Mice are uh, easy to deal with, so. It is by a cat. Yeah. Or like, I keep asking people to bring their cats over, and they yeah, won't do just it. lease a cat. Yeah, I need to <laughs> rent a cat because all you have to do is get a cat, and the mice will be like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! We gotta I'm get out. out of here! I'm out! We have to get out of here!" <laughs> like I read, like I was doing some research because I'm trying to figure out the best way to catch these mice, and I'm reading, and when cats like their saliva comes into contact with their fur, they you know they create dander, which is why some people are allergic to cats, right? Right. That dander, mice can smell it from, like, really, really far away. So if they smell cats, they're like, nope. <laughs> I ain't doing it. And peace out, bro. Yeah. And for some reason, they're, like, terrified of cats, right? And then they're just like, eh, dogs are fine. <laughs> well, yeah, when I lived in Springfield, we actually had a mice problem. And before I even knew I had a mice problem, I knew that one died. Ugh. Yeah. You smell it? Yeah. Ugh. 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 And I was, like, trying to find it for ever and it eventually stopped smelling and then i was cleaning like a couple months later and pulled out the refrigerator yep and it yep. was in uh. the dripping pan underneath there uh. and so that's why it took so long for the smell to dissipate that's where the nest was was underneath my refrigerator oh. and they moved so now there there is a small gap between the plaster wall that divides my apartment in my kitchen from the other apartment and there's a small gap and that's where all the mice are coming out of gross and so i just put a sticky trap right there there's only one way out of there and in order to get out they have to land on a sticky trap that's why i caught three mice yesterday or four mice yesterday wow are they like field mice or big mice they're they're little tiny field mice and the thing is i think i might have killed the parents because there's no reason why I would catch four mice on two st- sticky traps in a matter of hours if the parents were alive. Because the parents would stop the babies from doing that, I think. Maybe. So. I don't know, but it doesn't mean it's over. Because mice no. are generally incestuous. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think I've, I think I've eliminated a good portion of them at this point. Genocide on the mice. And I'm not going to stop. And there's poison everywhere in my house. <laughs> oh, good. That's good for your dog. Yeah. Oh, he can't get to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. They don't venture out of the kitchen. Not typically, no. No. That's. I mean, that's where the food is. Right. So that's where they're staying. So it, like, grosses me out, of course, and it makes me super mad, but I'm not going to pay an exterminator to come out. Nope. I'm two-stepping for that, too. Yeah. Like, hell no. <laughs> I remember my sister caught a mouse... Well, not a field mice, like an actual mouse. Yeah. Like a full-size mouse. And it was one of those rat traps that, like, break their neck. Yeah. Only it was still living. Oh, it so didn't it was, die. Wow, that's no. surprising. So it was, like, flipping around in the trap and 
So people yeah. get really upset. People, air quotes, get really upset when you use sticky traps. But that's like the only thing I've been able to use that actually gets them. And like the first time I put out a sticky trap, what mice will do is they will literally chew their limbs off yep. so that they can get out of it. And the first time I put down a sticky trap, I found a pair of <laughs> back legs and a oh. tail stuck to it, and the rest of it was gone. And I'm like, well, there's no way that my mouse is alive. Oh. Like, it probably bled longer. to death somewhere. But the poison that we have, too, the way that it works, it coagulates their blood so that they just, like, turn into a rock. <laughs> and... It's supposed to happen, like, it doesn't happen very fast, which is the problem. But I keep finding, when I have been finding more droppings, because there has not been very many droppings that have been appearing now, when I do find it, it's green, which is the color of the poison. And I'm like, how the hell are these fuckers not dead yet? Like, because <laughs> there's one block that I put out. I mean, it's about, they're about two inches long by an inch tall. Like, they're pretty sizable blocks. And there's one of them that's literally almost half of it's eaten. Wow. And I'm like... I don't know if I have any friends that are vegan that listen to this podcast, but, like, they probably turned off. Right yeah, now. that's fine. <laughs> I think I only have one friend, but I don't think they listen to the podcast. I was... I was... I felt horrible when I caught those mice in the in the sticky trap. Oh, yeah. So... Because they're kind of cute. Yeah. But it's like, you can't live here, and I know you're not going to leave, so... Right. I gotta figure something out, and we—I've had a mouse before last year in this place because there's mice living in the basement of my apartment building, and they just find a way <clears throat> into our apartments. And the landlord isn't doing anything about this. Oh no, no, of course not. No. Have you ever had a landlord? Mm, yes. They're basically useless. Yeah. Well, the landlord that I had, this was also like ten years ago, was actually pretty nice, and actually lived in the complex that we. See, that's were different. Into. That's different. Yeah. These people, my apartment building owners, they own like 120 properties. Right. So they don't have time to take this, care of that stuff. This was a townhouse, townhouses that were shaped in like a U. Yeah. And there was only like 50 complexes there. 50 so, units? Yeah, 50 units. So like everyone knew the landlords because they lived there. So Yeah. So that's what I'm dealing with right now at home. That's awesome. I mean, it sucks, but... They're not harming me in any way as of yet. I'm. They're not getting into our food. Right. They have gotten into, like I said, they're living behind the cabinets, so they keep getting into our dishes and stuff. So Ugh, I keep having gross. That's gross, but it can be washed. You know, it's a thing that can happen. Now, if I had a roach infestation, oh, I would move out immediately. You could probably start harassing your landlord. Well, I just need to tell him and be like, hey, I keep finding mice. You got to do something about it, right? But I feel like that would be a violation of some kind of renters' agreement, probably. And the thing is, is like he he can't make me pay nope. for an exterminator to come take care of that. No, nope. that's definitely on the property. Yeah. Well, the property is supposed to do that. Like when I when the house caught on fire and I lived in an apartment, I had to pay a service that was like bugs and mice, and they would just do that. I've never had them spray in my apartment really? since I've lived there. I've been there for almost a year. Even in my apartment, I felt like they were spraying quite a bit. That's what they're supposed to be doing. Right. They're supposed to be a, like a, it's like every six months. Yeah. They're supposed to come in and spray for spiders and roaches and stuff. They've never. And the thing is, is if they were spraying for that kind of stuff, it's an ammonia-based thing, there wouldn't be any mice. Nope. So, 
<laughs> Sounds like you're going to get on your landlord. Yeah, either that or we just need to move out. Yeah. Which is really what I want to do. But Yeah, I mean, you have a pretty decent place, but I know that there are nicest, nicer places downtown. Yeah, the big thing is just being able to move in with a dog. Wolf. Yeah, and especially most, a moose dog. A moose dog. Most people do not allow moose. <laughs> well, my grandma's house is for sale, but it needs a lot of work. How much is it for sale for? Uh, my mom wants, I think, 120 Which isn't bad for this neighborhood. I'm surprised that no one's come in and tried to scoop it up like any of the land developers. Well, uh, there has been some bids on it. The problem is the basement is completely destroyed. We're talking within fifteen to $30,000 worth of work that I'm needs gonna, to be done. I'm going to turn down that offer then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but if you get that house for pretty cheap and you do fix up the basement, you could probably sell it for two just based on the land itself. So, Right. I would love to live out here, and I need a good-sized yard, but I can't afford to fix a basement. Yeah, it's really bad. So Really bad. Well, what's been going on with you, Tim? Yeah. A whole lot of nothing, other than my adventure with Frank, uh, my other car, my 2008 Crown Victoria Police Interceptor. A Thursday during the work week, uh, I was driving home from work, and I noticed my dash light was blinking, and <laughs> the car was running real rough. And what happens when your dash light starts blinking is it's usually a misfire. Yeah. So I go home, I look it up, misfire, makes sense. So then Friday, I don't drive that car. I park it over my parents' house, and I drive Sally, my Mustang, during horrible weather. And then we Saturday, I didn't feel like dealing with it. Sunday, we finally take it to AutoZone. It's the number six cylinder that's misfiring. Probably it's either the coil or the plugs. Curtis and I open the hood, and we're like, yeah, no, because the coils and the spark plugs are underneath the fuel rail. Of course. Um, well, it wasn't really the fuel rail that stopped us. It was the metal plate that was sitting over the fuel rail. And the bolt was, was like behind the, the engine block. The bolt was like behind the engine block, and there was, I could get a socket on it, but that was about as far as it went. Yeah, you would have to probably take off. We took off the throttle body. You would probably have to take off the entire intake manifold just to get to this one bolt. And by that time, I was like, nah, I'm calling it. Like, this went from minor surgery to like brain surgery for us. And I'm like, nah. So I took it into a shop uh, Monday, and they fixed it. So Frank is now up and running perfectly. And was now. it what you suspected? Exactly what I suspected. They said when the number six coil was bad. There was a, a couple of boots, the coil boots, where the actual plug sits in, and were kind of corroded and torn because they probably have never been replaced. So they replaced that and all the plugs, and now yeah. the car runs fine. Cool. Yeah. Never, ever drive a car down a cylinder. You can really ruin it, and that's exactly what I did. So, (laughs) hey, what happened was, so I was driving home from work, and I knew I had to get home from work, so I drove You have to. Yeah, seven cylinders, and I drove it to uh, the shop with seven cylinders, and by the time they pulled the plug, oil just came out of that cylinder. Yeah, that's not good. Well, it's not good, but it kind of makes sense. If that piston isn't moving, that oil has to go somewhere. Well, what we really should have done, uh, since we knew... Which cylinder it was, we should have disconnected the, uh, what you call it, the fuel uh, fuel injector. Yeah. And then that would have saved you some problem. But yeah, that was the shop steal, and they fixed it, got the wheel out of there, and everything's great. So Frank, Otter's on. For now. 
for now. <laughs> like the champion soldier he is. Retired cop that he is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he's fine. He isn't running rough. He's running like he did before, so I don't <coughs> think any actual damage occurred. Yeah. He's not knocking. He's not, you know, smoking badly or showing any symptoms that anything happened to the engine at all. Mm. So that Good. just happens. Yeah. So that was kind of my adventure of the last couple of weeks. Not much has happened. Work is really dumb. Government is really dumb. So, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. The dumb thing that's happening at work right now is so they put wallpapers, wallpaper on all the walls that are kind of a beige color. So they're going through through all the hallways, the main hallways and the lobby, tearing down that wallpaper. And guess what color they're painting it? Same color as the wallpaper? Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, what? 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 what uh, okay. <laughs> okay. I guess it makes kind of sense because with wallpaper, if you damage it, you really can't do anything about it. Yeah. You, but paint, you can just repaint it. Paint over it. Put down some spackle and repaint over it, and it's fine. So, yeah, that was kind of my adventure last couple weeks. Um, nothing new or exciting happened here, I don't think. No. Nothing here that I can recall. No. I, mean, I, I have work stuff I can talk about, but I think it kind of relates to our topic at hand. So Oh, yeah. We'll get into that. So the main topic today, we're talking about failure, just kind of general, just failure. I'm working on a blog right now uh, called Terry the Farmer, where it's a story about how on my birthday I was bombing down these roads, and then something happened to my Mustang, and that's where I'll leave it. And I was in the middle of nowhere. It was a massive failure, but it ended up being cool. We also recorded an episode of this podcast that will be coming out this Thursday, the 6th, uh, with Tyler. So it was just the roommates hanging out together talking about whatever we talked about that night. That should be fun. You get to know a little bit about Tyler, and hopefully he can show up on a Saturday. Next time we record, we'll have a guest, um, a good friend of mine who kind of has a similar pastoral story as me as we were both in like a christian college and got jobs right after christian college and then both got kind of released from those jobs so it'd be fun talking to him and having him on the podcast he's also an improv guy hopefully he oh, lovely yeah so forward to it him and i in the same room together is going to be massive chaos and gloriousness and so I, I look forward to that hopefully he shows up if not then it'll just be us three again um, so the main topic is failure and how we deal with failure and just everything about failure. So let's start out with this question. What What is success? Worldly success. What does that mean or just even success generally? So what comes to mind for me is something that I saw like within the past few days. And it was a reminder about where Oprah was when she was 23. She was getting fired from her first job. And people were like, oh, well, that was a mistake because it's Oprah. But then someone pointed out like, no. Oprah had to get fired from that job to become who Oprah is now, as successful as she is. Like, she had to know what failure was in order to succeed. Yeah. I mean, same thing with Michael Jordan. How he, what was he, not drafted or something? Uh, I think he only made it to, like, the varsity basketball team in high school, like, one of the years that he tried out. Yeah, it was something like that. Something like that. And he's like one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, when in as far as what success is, it's, I think it's what you find after failure. Mm, that's good. That's good. I think success is really subjective. I totally agree. Um, it can uh, 
it can mean a lot of different things for different people. And I really don't know what success means for me at this point in my life because I've had a lot of things change for me in the last five years. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would point to success as, you know, being financially successful, having a lot of money, having a lot of stuff. Some people would point towards success and say that, you know, you've made an impact on a lot of people's lives and, you know, stuff along that lines. I'm not sure what success is for me yet. I think I'm still working on that one. Well, that, that's a good point. Like, success, I cannot say that word. It's awesome. Um, can just be a personal goal. Like, it's something that you accomplish personally instead of what society tells you to. I've been thinking about this, like, when did success become the amount of followers I have in social media or how many YouTube views I have or that kind of culture that seems to be prevalent nowadays. Like, you're not really successful unless you have an X amount of followers. In fact, I've I've listened to a lot of crazy podcasts, and one of the things that's been talked about um, with like famous people and celebs and movie people is you won't get cast unless you have a certain amount of followers. Interesting. Right? Like it's not, it's not about you being talented. It's about how many people can you influence and then market to your fans, quote unquote, which makes sense. Like more and more, like if movies are selling, it's not because of a good story or a good plot, it has more to do with the cast that they're able to hire on. And so, like, more and more, actors are getting typecast for positions, and it's not, they're not casting for positions like they used to. It's not blind casting where they're actually pulling people into a room and seeing how talented they are. They're casting them strictly based off of their name. And how many followers they have, which is incredibly awesome. Not really at all. <laughs> but I, I, I keep seeing that, especially coming from a position of youth ministry and now seeing teenagers want to get on the YouTubes and try... It's all about how many sheep you can get to follow you. Right? And that being a viable career. When you really start to study it and why I think YouTube is a kind of a dwindling medium, even though it's so popular, is that unless you have a couple hundred thousand followers or viewers, you're not going to make hardly any money off of it. Like, even the WWE has 56 million subscribers on YouTube. They only make 13 million a year off of that. Right. 13 million is a lot of money. It's a lot of money for you and I, but like. 56 million followers. Yeah. But also, like, for an entire establishment, like, that's not really no. a lot of money to actually build a business like the WWE. That's like paying two guys in that company. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, and there's other YouTubers that, you know, have like a million followers and they make, you know, good money, but it's like, you really have to do it eight hours a day. Like that is your full-time job. You don't have a social life because that is what you do. And I your social life is interacting with people on, on YouTube, yeah. on that medium. And there's some guys on Twitch that make like 10 grand every time they play, but they're also playing for eight hours yep. a day. And now I'm seeing this trend where... They want to give up everything just to sit there and play video games and be on YouTube. And, you know, I'm saying that while I have a podcast. But it's kind of that weirdness in society where that is now the measurement of success is how many followers, how many people listen to me, how many people do that. Right. Do you guys agree with that? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, in terms of do I agree with it? I don't agree that it's how we should Absolutely be, not. Like, judging our economy, our society in terms of progression. No, I think it's actually backwards progression. Oh, it's very backwards. And I could be wildly wrong about this, but I imagine within the next 10 years, like people making money off of like Twitch and YouTube is going to go out the wayside. Well, that's the other thing. Like if you're not consistent, there goes your career. Mm -hmm. Like it it can happen in the snap of the fingers. Like there's these guys that have mental breakdowns because they're only got, you know, 20,000 views versus a hundred thousand views. And now they're not getting paid that month. Yeah, for sure. Because of their views. Unless you're consistent. But the funny thing about with streaming and YouTube and all that is that you have these major corporations like CBS, NBC, Fox, all going on YouTube because network TV is dying. Right. <laughs> like that medium is dying. So talk about failure. Right? We have these weird ideals of success and failure. Working in the cable media company, I will say we are evolving. Don't think that we're not. Right. But... I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, they've started airing, like, baseball games on YouTube. Yep. And, like, it really kind of sucks for the cable medium because we literally find out last minute, like, hey, we're not going to air this on live cable. It's going to be on YouTube. And we're like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess we just got to change everything around now for the next 24 hours. So, Right. Well, and then you have, like, the major networks literally just putting the news on YouTube. Yeah. You got that, and then like other sporting events too will go on. Thursday night football is always on uh, Amazon now. <laughs> weird. Um, no, that's weird. I mean, they still air it on the networks, but you can watch it on Amazon Prime. No, I think that's probably the better way to go because yeah. I mean it's great for Amazon. Oh yeah. Because that'll cause people to be like, "Oh shit, I can't watch the game tonight. I have to subscribe to Amazon." Yeah. But that's still kind of messed up when you're already paying hundreds of dollars to. <laughs> yeah. Like a corporate cable, cable yeah. and you're expecting to watch these things, and all of a sudden you can't. Right. Which is basically how the whole baseball thing went. Yeah. Like, we actually got a lot of complaints. So, like, I don't know how to work YouTubes. And obviously, <laughs> these were all like 67 yeah. 80 year old people who were like, I don't know how to work YouTube. Why aren't you airing my baseball game? We're like, well, they took it away from us. So, sorry. S- sorry. Can't help you. Right. All these major networks are now having their own streaming series. Or service. Like CBS has CBS Plus, Disney, Disney Plus. I don't know if NBC has anything. But it seems like all these major networks are now just, because of YouTube and all these streaming things, now are saying that's success. So we're going to now have our own streaming service. And it's kind of crazy because even myself, I have a Netflix, Disney Plus, which includes Hulu and ESPN, and Amazon Prime. Which, by the way, you need to re-log into Disney Plus on the TV. <laughs> Why is it not logged in? If you don't use it after a while, it just logs out. Perfect. Because there's nothing on Disney Plus. That's also true. Like, I got over... Once I watched all of Gargoyles, I was done watching <laughs> Disney Plus. <laughs> and we're just waiting for Obi-Wan this? Kenobi to come out. It's just going to be easier at this point. <laughs> My back hurts today. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, yeah so I, I was... Pointing out what is success, I, I really feel like it's this internet craze that is happening, almost like another internet bubble, but it's now revolving around streaming and trying to get as many followers as you have, and we all can cringe at Instagram influencers and how weird that whole thing is, how they like 
show off their body and they have booty pics and they have a million followers on Instagram and making I've never money. understood Instagram. Make shit tons of money just for showing your ass. Right. It's I so mean, I weird. Get, I get why people like get popular on Instagram, like doing exactly what you said, just showing off your bodies. But like at the same time, I've never actually understood Instagram to the point where I like subscribe to Instagram. Yeah. I think I have an Instagram, but I never use it. Never on it. I They could just as easily delete it and I would not even notice. Well, now it's owned by Facebook, so that's cool. Well, yeah, same difference. Yeah, pretty much. Facebook is still entertaining, though, because you have, as long as you have funny friends that like to share funny memes, Facebook is still relevant. <laughs> uh, I just use it for Messenger. I hardly ever post anything, unless I see a stupid picture of myself, and I'm like, hey. <laughs> it's good for scheduling stuff, actually. Yeah, like the group uh, chat or whatever. You can Yeah, group chat, but also like we have an annual float trip. Like everyone that shows up, yeah. we all have that group. And as soon as it, you know, we're coming up on it, that's where everything is getting posted, all the information, like who owes who money, all that. So, like, it's still somewhat relevant, but Facebook is kind of going by the wayside. It's not getting taken over by the older group as much as people like to think. Well, no, it's the opposite. No, it's getting taken over by the older group, but none of the young people are using it because they're all using Instagram or now it's become TikTok. It was Snapchat. Now it's TikTok and still Instagram where like all the young people are on that. Yeah. Hardly any teenagers or even early twenties are using Facebook. So that's all the old people like us that yeah. are using Facebook. I mean, I was talking more like our parents that got on Facebook and ruined it for us. Oh, they totally did. Yeah. Totally did. My parents don't even really know how to use a computer. So Good. that's cool. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I mean, they're both retired and in their seventies. So, you know, yeah. Whatever. my well, So when I was taking Frank up to the shop to get the par- plugs done, Curtis, you may know this more than I would, but my dad kept calling it plugs and wires, and that's not a thing anymore, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been for a really long time. Since, yeah, probably about 2000 or so is when they uh, switched over to coils-ish. Ish. I mean, it wasn't like a cut and done, plugs and wires are done. I mean, it's still plugs. But they started using coilovers. Yeah. Because so, it's a much more efficient, uh, better uh, circulation of electricity to get there. And so we're at the shop, and my dad keeps calling it plugs and wires, and the guy's like, uh. <laughs> How old was the guy that you were talking to? Uh, in his 20s. He was oh. a kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he probably didn't even know what wires were. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they work in a shop, so I'm sure maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the same essential concept. Uh, it's just that the coils are a little bit more complex than your traditional spark plugs wires were. Right. That's it's advancement of technology. Yay, technology. Well, it's when they went to electronic fuel injection stuff, right? Yeah. Because you had no more use for a distributor and exactly. wires. And yeah, stuff it was like pretty that. much whenever distributors started going away, that's when they switched to coilovers and not using uh, plug wires. Right, which was probably when they got rid of carburetors i would guess no no it came after yeah yay cars because i know like i had a car that had a distributor that went out all the time because it was right on top of the exhaust manifold yeah that's a good place for it yeah uh but it still had plugs and wires but it didn't have a carburetor it was fuel injected i've only had like three cars so that's fine um what is failure so we talked about success and 
But what is failure? What is subjective failure? So I don't know what it looks like for other people. I know that people are afraid of failure for whatever reason. That's never been me. I've never been afraid of trying something new just for the sake of trying it. I think Drew can attest to this because he's seen me just like act out boldly and do whatever it is that we're talking about. And if we're like, hey, it'd be really funny if someone did this and I just go and do it. Maybe (laughs) fail recklessly, but A, I laughed about it. We all got a laugh out of it. And it made for a story later on down the line. But I think people are afraid of utter and total failure to the point that the people aren't taking as high risks anymore. Mm, That's a good point. I think failure is just um, not achieving a goal. I mean, it's it's literally the opposite of success right? in in many ways. I think failure is just an obstacle to your success because yeah. I don't, I, like I said, there's utter and total failure. Like if you try and start a business and it goes under in like a year, that's utter and total failure. And there's not a whole lot you can do about it. You're probably going bankrupt at that point. There's not the whole, well, I learned what doesn't work. And so now let's try what does work. Yeah. So I see failure as an obstacle to overcome for success. An opportunity. Yes. Thomas Edison once said, uh, I haven't failed. I just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Stole 10,000 ideas from someone else that didn't work. Well, when creating the light bulb. So that's kind of a good way of looking at failure, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, I 100% stand behind behind that sentiment and that idea behind it. I'm just not a Thomas Edison fan. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of a jerk. Drew, any input? Just as a general definition, I think that's that's where I'm at for failure. But if we're talking more in depth about it, I mean, just like Curtis said, failure is kind of a requirement for success. You can't succeed if you haven't failed at something because you're not going to get it exactly right the first time, no matter <laughs> how hard you try. <laughs> like how I fail at talking all the time. Yeah, yeah well. success. <laughs> when you have success. But, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's complicated kind of discussion it's hard to define it it's it's hard to pinpoint exactly what a definition of either of these things really are so yeah yeah i get it speaking about me speaking the first time i ever spoke in front of a crowd was at youth and i was maybe 17 or so and i talked for maybe 10 minutes mm-hmm. and said the same thing repeatedly all the time and that's just a testament to going up there and falling flat on your face but you keep working on it you keep doing it you have the criticisms you have the people that come aside you and say hey that was a great job but you work on this and this and this and this yeah. like no one should stop you from doing something just because you failed at it at first you should keep trying it no matter how awful it is or how many followers you don't have you should still just try it as an opportunity to get better at it i mean yeah. i was not good at it when i first started and i'm arguably still not good at it but i will come up here and make a fool of myself and keep trying to do it because that's what i feel like i need to do that's what i feel like i'm gifted at doing so failure shouldn't be a way of gatekeeping or a way of keeping you from doing something it should just be a lesson really learn from your mistakes learn from your failures and work on it. Um, I was taking speech classes in high school because I felt like that's something I wanted to do. I was in a band that was awful, <laughs> named after a toilet, just to get <laughs> stage experience and being on the stage. And it kind of all 
<laughs> it got to the point where I was then a pastor. Like, is that, that's my failure becoming more of a success and training me to be more able to speak in front of people. But I wasn't good at it at first. Even now, when I still speak um, in front of a crowd, I still get nervous and I still get jitters and I still have doubts. And I've been doing it for 10 plus years. But it's been my failures that have gone, oh, I can now just settle on my training and this is what this is about. And I have my notes, so here we go. And I, I've gotten good enough where I can improv anything, especially talking in front of teenagers who are like herding cats. And someone asked me a, a, a ridiculous question. I have to go, okay, here's where we go. Here's the answer to that question onward and not being thrown by that. But it's taken my failures to get there. But also sometimes failures just make me give up on something. For example, I stopped playing hockey because, well, I got overweight and my knee is broken and I was just really disappointed in my game and my hockey sense and I was making stupid mistakes and failing all over the ice and I was like you know I, I don't want to do this anymore because I'm sucking hardcore at this sport now yeah I used to be really you know one of the better defensemen probably a little bit above average and now I'm playing like garbage because I put on weight and my knee is destroyed and it made me kind of give up that sport uh, I want to go back and do it again, but I need to get in shape. I need to learn from my failures, learn to probably go to the doctor and get my knee surgically repaired, but I don't want to because I'm a boy and I don't do that. <laughs> but Until you get to be old enough and you're like, fuck, I need this replaced. Like A lot of old men have knee replacements and I'm like, I should have done this years ago. Well, my fear, and we're talking about fear now, which is kind of tied into failure, Yeah. Uh, my fear is I'm going to get surgery on my knee and they're going to tell me you shouldn't play anymore or you can't play anymore because knee injuries can be kind of fatal like for athletes sure yeah like there's guys that blow their acl and professional sports and they're never the same ever again and i'm not a professional athlete making millions of dollars that can go to rehab and get my knee to play so it could be the end of everything where i can just wrap it up take some Advil and hit the ice and regret it the next day. Yeah. So, you know, whether that's a stubborn mentality or a failure on my part, I don't know. Right. I never want to tell anyone what to do, but <laughs> in terms of like actually being able to heal from things like that, the younger you do it, the better off you're going to be. The well, better you're going to be able to recover, the quicker you're going to be able to recover. Physical therapy. I mean, yeah, there's going to show you a lot of exercises, but we live in the technology age. Where you can look up half the exercises you would need to do to fix your knee. That's true. Or I can get a robot leg. That's fine. I mean, that's always like the goal. <laughs> like, I would love robot legs. <laughs> I'm looking into it. <laughs> looking into <laughs> robotic legs. What's it's funny, a risky procedure. Is it risky? But I think it's worth it. Okay, cool. Uh, when I was doing... All you Grandma Boys fans out there, you're welcome. <laughs> I don't. I have never seen it. I'm sorry. Really? Yeah, I fail. Right. I mean, it's a huge stoner movie, but there are some gold moments in it, for sure. <laughs> I'm sure. When I did my master's thesis, thesis. <laughs> hey guys, I'm a public speaker. Trust me. I'm good at this. <laughs> when I did my master's thesis, I talked about robotics and AI technology and how all the brilliant people in the world are terrified of AI and how it's going to pretty much be the end of humanity as we see it, so... So you're a believer in Terminator, then? 
Yeah, for okay. sure. Like, uh, and it's not just me. We're talking like Bill Gates, yeah. Musk, Bezos, Bezos. Uh, they're all terrified of AI. Wozniak. Yeah. Like, they're all like, yeah, this is probably going to be the doom of all humanity. Yeah. Unless we somehow control it or start making these laws, like it's going to be the downfall. Even when they try to do experiments, like they, uh, I forget who it was, but someone put an AI on Twitter and it became a racist. It became extremely <laughs> racist. <laughs> yeah. Not just like a little bit like old timer funny racist. Like neo Nazism racist. Yeah, straight neo Nazism racist. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And they did it on, I think Facebook did it with an actual like robot head like an android head with ai but they made two of them and then they started speaking to each other in another language that no one understood so they had to shut it down yeah ai is terrifying terrifying absolutely terrifying terminator and i think russia is already making a, a robot that is like military with ai of course yeah because they're unregulated over there well vodka vodka and uh no laws and what was it? The Supreme Leader? The Supreme Leader, Snoke. Or Putin. Putin. We're now banned from Russia. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I Scurry. thought that was what they called it. Was Yeah, yeah the Supreme Leader or something like that. I don't know. I don't know shit about Russia. Yeah, it's fascinating. It is actually very fascinating. Yeah. Especially when you consider how many people sympathize with Russia here in America. Right. <laughs> Which is like the most anti-America thing you can do. Yeah. It's cool. People are lost. <laughs> They're all sheep. That's what I'm going to say. Any other comments about failure? No? Okay. Uh, what is the funniest, stupidest, stupidest fail that you guys have had? It can be whatever. Just the stupidest thing you've done, basically. If you gave me a little bit, I could probably come up with some stories, but I'm just going to say a blanket statement of dating. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like dating is just like total hot garbage and it's people just coming together with all of their insecurities and trying to act cool in front of each other. And I'm just, I'm over it. Yeah. I got <laughs> over it. I mean, I've generally been, I've been done with dating for about nine months now or so. It's been like six years for me in school. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while I'll run into a girl and be like, Hey, let me get your number. And then like we talk for a few days and that's it. Oh, it's the online dating culture. Man. Yeah. It's, yeah. Ugh, gross. I remember being a person who did that. Mm. And then I finally realized it. I mean, not I didn't do I anything at, for me. I worked at it for enough that I actually got, we'll say, quote unquote, successful yeah. at it. Obviously, not too successful because you, I am still single. You could have had a lot of failures, though, right? Oh, I had a <laughs> shit ton of failures. Like, just meeting a lot of weird, awkward people. Oh my gosh! Well, can I tell you that's some the internet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can tell you some dating stories that I've gone through. Oh my gosh, There's some hashtag fails right there. I mean, I I think this is a whole like hour and a half conversation we can have, so we might want to dial it back down to one. And I can't I, I can't even narrow it down to one like <laughs> the worst date that I ever went on. Uh, the worst date I've ever been on. <laughs> I think I met this girl in Christian Mingle of all places. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's, yep. Yeah. Starting off good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag fail already. Yeah. I was never on there, but I heard gr- I've heard great stories about <sighs> it. Yeah. I did it too. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hey, I'm a Christian. I should get on ChristianMingle.com. <laughs> so I go on this date with this girl, 
and she was well built. I'll put it that way. And they were out, like just full on in your face out. I'm thinking, oh, oh this is a first date on ChristianMingle.com. And okay, I will just avert my eyes because they're like, <laughs> you know, oh, Tim, so there, well there built. was a lot of cleavage. <laughs> Tim, just that's say the words dude. you're looking for. A lot. You don't like, need most to say of her well boobs built. Showing. Yes. Okay. Yes, most of her breasts were showing. Like, her her girls were propped up for your The girls were out for advantage. the show. <laughs> I, they weren't even propped up. They didn't have to be. That's the size we're talking about here. <laughs> and they were just out. And so we get to talking. And then she goes on to say how she's divorced and I'm divorced. And then talking about how she's been raped a couple of times, been as bipolar uh, on our first date. And was talking about how she doesn't like physical interaction with men anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a weird combination there. And so I go, being the person I am, go into like pastor mode and start like counseling this poor girl. <laughs> like, tell me more about that. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Right. <laughs> and I, I ghosted her after that. Uh, because I felt it was like one of the first dates after my divorce and it was just so awkward and weird for me. And to be like that open on a first conversation about it, it was just like, oh, that was probably the worst date I've ever been on. So that kind of brings me to, I went on a date, I think not quite a year ago. It was like right before I gave up on dating, but like met up with this girl, had lunch and like she was flirting with me but like i had kind of picked up on the vibes like she was like how can i put this nicely like desperate and like just wanting to have a boyfriend mm. and like i think the kids call it thirsty yeah thirsty is the thing like so she, i mean i mean i wasn't judging her for it but like again she was like laying out all of her dirty laundry and she was one of those people that was like you know i think I think good, happy, quiet living would be living in a trailer. And I'm like, <laughs> let me stop you right there. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pay the check. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pay for this. But I, I have, I have, I have to go do laundry. <laughs> I have to go do my own laundry. Cause you just dumped a bunch of dirty laundry right at my feet. Bad dates. Uh, I've been on plenty of bad dates, uh, but the, most hilarious one actually was a Christian Mingle situation as well. <laughs> There's something about that site, man. Hey, uh, ChristianMingle.com if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> I think they're uh, very anti us at this point. Mine uh, wasn't Christian Mingle, but go ahead. Yeah, so I got on it because I, you know, I was like, this was 2011, so I was 19. And I had been with the same girl for a really long time, and I was like, oh, I need to get back out there, but I didn't know how to do it, so Christian Mingle was my answer. Um, Started talking to this girl. We talked for a while, and she, I lived in Kansas City at the time, and she lived in Topeka, Kansas, which is like three hours away from there. Yikes. And I was just... (sighs) you know, having a good time talking to her. I wasn't, I never really thought I was going to have a chance to meet this girl, but then Evan, you've never met Evan Curtis, you know, Evan, uh, we were going to Topeka to a drag strip to race his Mustang. And I told her about it and she was like, Oh yeah, cool. There's an ice cream shop near the, the strip. You should, 
meet me and my friend, blah, 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 down there. Okay. <laughs> we get there, and I walk in, and this person that I've never seen before in my entire life is, like, waving at me. And I'm like, dope, I've just been catfished. Because <laughs> the girl that I was talking to was, like, a 115-pound soaking wet Mexican girl, and the girl that was in the ice cream shop was, like, a 180-pound... Dude. No, white girl, <laughs> who was definitely not my type. And I'm like... And you know what? Back in those days, my filter was basically <laughs> non-existent. So nothing so has yesterday? changed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nothing has changed? So this I happened walked... yesterday. <laughs> hey, I'm so much better than I used to be. So, I, you know, I walked up to her, and we started having a conversation. I was just like, you know, i got to be honest with you. Uh, your picture is not the same as, you know, what I'm seeing here. And she's like, well, does it really matter that much? And I was like, well, I mean... Physical attraction is important for a first impression, right? And I said, I- I'm not. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be interested in someone that I'm not physically attracted to. She's and also like, someone who's not honest about well, what they and look like. She, so she proceeded to call me shallow, and I was like, well, I mean, but at least I'm not a fucking liar. <laughs> and she's like, well, I'm really insecure about myself. And I was like, you know what? The only way you're going to be happy is if you be yourself and then you find someone who's interested in who you are. And I was like, that's not me, but see ya. Yeah, I've been catfished. Look at that. Hey, that's cool. I've never been catfished. Yeah, I can't say I've been catfished either. Just and That was before it was really a thing. Yeah, like before oh, the like, dinner. Or you're a hipster catfish. Yeah, I'm a hipster. <laughs> a hipster catfish. <laughs> I was catfished before catfishing was cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been catfished. I there's this weird thing where the girls want to add you on Snapchat before like meeting you. Yeah, because they want to see if you're actually who you, you say you are. Yeah, it's smart. I mean, I, I totally get it. I'm an old man, so I barely know how to use this. It's so cool. Sure. Yeah. I had difficulties myself, and I'm not that old. Yeah. I figured it out. <laughs> One of my funniest other fails talking about how I'm terrible at public speaking. Is it was during a youth thing years and years ago. I said sexual immortality. <laughs> yeah, I remember this story. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of sexual immorality. Yeah. That was a good one. I also remember Our... we were at a lock in and we went to another church. Oh, gosh. And it was, oh, you, I think you already know the story I'm about to tell. Yes, I do. So you and I, and I think we had a few other people that stayed behind and didn't show up until later because we were closing down the attic for those. Uh, of our listeners, The Attic was a local band venue that was sponsored out of the basement of our church at the time and actually had a pretty good following for the Times via STL Punk. But at any rate, we uh, closed down the venue, got everyone to go home, cleaned up, and then went to this lock-in. And I don't remember what the lock-in was for, but one of the pastors of this other church was like asking us, like, oh, why are you guys showing up so late? And we told him about The Attic, and he was like, oh, tell me more about The Attic. Well, Tim first words out of his mouth well it's his church fucking uh uh and at which point i was like tim did you just drop an f word to a pastor like trying to describe our church this church fucking this fucking church fucking i do vaguely remember that I, I remember I didn't say the F word. It was something else because I can't talk right. No, you definitely like accidentally <laughs> dropped an F bomb. I, I remember it. I, I don't 
I, <laughs> but it, like at that time, it was not in your vocabulary, so it was literally just a slip of the tongue. I don't. I, don't, I knew that. I don't think I actually said. No, at least in my head, I didn't actually say that word. No, in your head, no. But the look on the pastor's face, you definitely said fucking right to his face. <laughs> I thought you were talking about another Lockins story where I hit one of my best friends in the face with a chair. Oh, no. No, I was talking, I was merely talking about your... <laughs> I know about tongues. that story, too. Yeah. Yeah. The hey, chair story was great, too. Tim, here's the real question. What is sexual immortality? <laughs> <laughs> well... Picture. I've been trying to achieve it for years. <laughs> it's about being immortal, but sexually. Okay. And how does one achieve sexual immortality? Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Funniest, stupidest fails. Yes, I hit my best friend in the face with a chair. There's that. It was great. We watched it on loop for like years on end. Years on end. This might have been the jackass era, too. Also, yes was the Jackass era. And also, I think that had something to do with the wrestling videos. Uh, no. No. That was before the wrestling videos. We, me, Nick and I would always just do, like, wrestling things because we were hardcore into wrestling, like WWE, WWF for you old people. So we'd always, like, do stupid stuff with each other. We perfected, like, me doing a powerbomb on Nick and then a sunslip sun flip. So I would go up the powerbomb him. He would roll me over doing stupid stuff like that so we decided hey let's use a chair <laughs> that was a mistake well we were good at it um nick would put his hands up and then it looked like i smoked him in the face well i did it too fast one time <laughs> and smoked him right in the face <laughs> with a metal folding chair so there, there's that and the best part was just how cocky tim was about it like yeah. Hit him in the face with the chair, dropped it, walked off like he was king of the world, and then Nick is, found out that he actually hit his friend in the yeah. face with the chair. Nick is bleeding from the face. That's cool. I always love to make my friends bleed from their faces. <laughs> uh, he got me back by rear-ending my car, so it's fine. It all comes around. What a jackass. <laughs> well, I had a 1984 Crown Victoria. He had like a 1978 Volvo station wagon that was yellow. And he rear-ended me, so that's cool. One tank versus the other tank. Mine actually won. Yep. Surprising. Did yeah. the Volvo get totaled from that? No, but his whole front end was smashed. Yeah. <laughs> and on the Vic, the bumper was pushed in maybe an inch. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> he didn't even hit me very hard. He just kind of rolled into me. Right. So, you know, fail. Hashtag fail. Hashtag failure. I'm trying to think of other stupid things that I've done in my life that were funny. I also, yeah, I try and like block out my failures from my own memories, and I don't let myself get defined by my failures. <sighs> I enjoy them if they're funny. I enjoy them in the moment, and if someone brings up the story about when that happened, yeah, I'll 100% laugh at it. But I mean, the fact that I had a band that was called American Standard, which was named after a toilet, oh, that was so good, tells you a lot about who I am. Very on point. Yeah. <laughs> I embrace the failure. And so let's go a little bit deeper and a little bit more serious. I wanted to talk about kind of funny fails. Drew, do you? You didn't mention any funny fails, did you? No, but I, I'm i having a hard time recalling funny fails uh, from myself. So, Fair enough. Yeah. What? So going on a little bit deeper, what is your biggest fail? Maybe even the most impactful, impactful fail. When I 
when I first well not when I first graduated college when I, when I graduated college I had kind of two jobs after and uh, the first one um, I got I wasn't doing anything that had to do with my degree and so I wasn't really interested in keeping it and I finally I applied for another job and got it as a designer for a screen printing company and while I don't put the full blame of me getting fired from that place on myself. I definitely wasn't like working very hard to stay there, and so I got that was the first job I ever got fired from. Um, but it was it was a big deal. I mean, it led me to the company that I just left not too long ago that I worked for for three years, and it kind of opened my eyes to the reality of things that. A job is a job is a job. There's always another one to get. And that there's no reason to tell myself these stories about how terrible I am as a worker or anything like that. Um, And that I needed to stop setting these expectations for myself that no one else was setting. And just be the best person that I could be in that context. So, really impactful in that way. Wow. That's pretty deep, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Curtis? So I think my most impactful failure, again, I don't think this was entirely on me, but it was shortly after I had my heart surgery and I wasn't fully informed on all the things that I would go through like mentally and emotionally after heart surgery. As it turns out, after you have any sort of damage to your heart, your body hormones kind of go wild. So in a 28 year old body, I was experiencing 14 year old hormones and didn't have any idea. And was, you know, trying to push through all this stuff at work. And at the time, I was kind of on a fast track at work. You know, everyone really liked me. I was being set up for all kinds of different projects. And really, after the heart surgery, I just kept dropping the ball and just kind of blaming myself, like, and thinking that it was everything that I had gone through, that I was never going to really recover from all this. And it wasn't really until I went back for the follow-up heart scan to show that everything had healed up properly, that one of the nurses was like, hey, how have you been doing? How's your recovery going? I was like, oh, you know, ups and downs, you know, just living through it. He was like, oh, well, I know that for up for six months after your heart surgery, your hormones kind of go crazy. And I was like, you don't say. <laughs> that would have been nice to know from any one of my three doctors that I had talked to over that period yeah. of time. But Seriously. I had to find out from a nurse. Whoops. Yeah. So... I mean, I experienced a lot of failure in that time frame, and I learned from it. I know what I messed up. I know why I messed up. I'm climbing myself out of that hole, even as we speak. Yeah. You kind of what it's what led you to live here, right? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Perfect. I don't have any big fails because I'm perfect. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Calling it fast and hard bullshit. Oh, right. I mean, I'm divorced, so that's one. I could probably spend the. I could probably record an hour and a half podcast just talking about my failures, big failures, not even little tiny failures, but like big, big failures in my life. Well, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you wanted to go back up and down the laundry list, sure, I could go way back like ten or twelve years and talk about all the failures I went through. Right. <clears throat> a lot of mine are me doing stupid things, so that's fun dealing with. No, I I really screwed that up. I did something wrong. Even in my divorce, I could have been better, could have been a better husband. I could have been a better person. I regret some of the things that I said and did during that time. You know, that's a, a fail. 
even when I was a pastor, one of the things that I had to really digest is so I was basically released or had to resign because of budgetary concerns. This was, you know, the uh, economic nightmare of 2008, 2009, when the economy was in hardcore recession. And when you have a recession in the economy and people are losing their jobs, you're no longer tithing to the church. So then your budget shrinks. And I was kind of the low man in the totem pole. And so they said, we can no longer pay you. What really made me angry is I was making $800 a month. Yeah. Like, what is that, Ten grand a year? If even that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they did a big fall festival, which was like $5,000. And we even had a staff meeting where we were talking about how this event really isn't bringing in new people. It's more for the church. But we're going to do it anyway, anyway for ritual and tradition's sake. Yeah. And this is the thing we've always done. And I'm like, that's literally half of my salary that you're telling me that you can't pay. But I remember, and what caught me all in this drama was, I remember a conversation I had with a staff member or even maybe a board member that if you had a certain amount of people in your group, you'd be fine. And that really just kind of bothered me. And it made me think that I was a failure, that I only had, let's say the number was 50. If I had 50 people going to my group, I would be okay. I'd be secure. I'd be locked in. I would have reason for them to keep me around. But I only had like 30 and thus, they let me go because I wasn't exceeding their expectations. Hmm. And I dealt with that for a long time. It caused me to, you know, again, take a break from doing ministry and, and being a part of a church because I really felt kind of like a failure there. Just out of curiosity, how did that group or that age dynamic work out after you left? Uh, it died completely. I think they tried to limp on a little bit after and there was still kind of meaning, but it drastically reduced in numbers. And that's something I had to realize myself, is when I took over that group, I was still going to college. I was working part-time, not there. And I took that group from about, I don't know, 10 people to about 30 to 40 people, completely redid everything, wrote a mission statement, got new leadership in there, was really actually growing and being successful. And that's something that I had to really remind myself of because here I am saying you know these people are saying you have to resign because we can't afford you afford your salary anymore and you the group wasn't big enough so you can't support yourself and label that as a failure and realizing no I actually did a huge thing here I was actually really successful and having to remember that and then even doubting myself and my abilities like going back going to a big church where I was just another cog in the wheel where I wasn't really the guy anymore uh, was kind of a struggle for me too. feeling like, Oh, you know, I was a pastor. I led my own camp. Why, why am I not doing it again? Feeling like a failure there. But yeah, a lot of my big failures have to do with like personal failures, uh, failing people, backstabbing people and talking about people behind their backs and shattering friendships that may never ever come back because I did something stupid and dealing with the guilt and the shame of that yeah, I have a ton of those. Even just recently, I, I really hurt someone that I, I hope that that friendship comes back, but it may not. And having to deal with that, and there's, you know, the other side of that is they've hurt me too, and they have failed. And it's like, where do we go from here? Do we just say, well, we're done, or do we try to rekindle our friendship again? And so, hashtag fail. A lot of my failures to deal with people 
more than just an event or circumstance. Like I've never been fired from my job. I haven't failed out of school. I haven't dealt with any of those circumstances, but just failing people pretty hardcore, not being there for people. And I, <laughs> I'm getting really personal, <laughs> even leaving real life um, in 2006 because we were newly engaged and I felt like this is something that we should do. We should move to another church where there's young married people to be around to have a support system and then leaving my family even though it was on really good terms and I made sure everyone knew that this is what I really feel like is happening and what God wants to do with me I really felt like I failed a lot of people because I was moving on mm-hmm. and moving to a different place and so yeah a lot of big fails so yeah I can go on and on and on about my biggest failures you all got a lot of them right yeah and I think it's more about the response of these big failures. What do you do about it? Do you yeah. learn from it? Do you grow from it? Do you, like even my <clears> divorce, <throat> as much as I want to sit here and go, you know, I failed at this and I failed at that. I have learned a ton about myself Yeah. and kind of what it takes to be in a relationship with someone and how much work it does take to be with someone, <laughs> which reminds me of what I said to you, Drew, that made you die laughing the other day. Do you remember this? That's over steam. We're talking. You what can... was it that you said? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I'm going to have to look that up real quick. <laughs> what was the context? We were just talking on steam. We are talking on steam, and you are talking about, we were talking about um, the man in the high castle and you're, how you were trying to get your wife to watch it with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we were talking about the man in the high castle. You said that you are only a couple of episodes into season two. And I was like, I love, or I really liked what I'd seen, but Schaefer won't watch it because she doesn't like war-based storylines. And you said, it's not really war, though. And I was like, well, I mean, but it's based in a warring time. She would attribute it to that. And you said, just be like, yo, woman, that always works. And I said, yeah, you're right. I'll give that one a try. And then you said, trust me, I'm divorced. <laughs> See, and I've the, learned. And the the funny thing is, is that I don't think Tim meant it to no, be. I totally did. You oh, did? Yeah. Totally I mean, meant it. Okay, like I live with Tim, and I he absolutely meant it the but way like, you perceived. Trust it. me, I'm divorced. <laughs> I was like, what would make Drew laugh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did not mean that seriously at all. It was hilarious though. But you know, I do joke around with that, but. I don't know. I've learned a lot of things from that. I'm sure. I mean, I think what I've learned from my failures is kind of opposite. And it's kind of like on friendships. I have a lot of friends that I've helped out on numerous occasions uh, with numerous things and never really expected anything in return. Just mutual respect and, you know, let's hang out, chat, have a beer. But I have friends who've like even just recently started falling by the wayside simply because for whatever reason, they can't see how good I was to them. Like, and not trying to be egotistical about that at all, but they've never, like, I never expect people to return the favor for me. Just, you know, be cognizant and help out a friend when they're in need. Right. Right. And when I notice that you're not being a friend to me, I'm just going to let you fall by the wayside. I have no reason to keep you around. And... I'm not going to continue to weigh myself down to try and help you succeed when you obviously don't care about my success. Right. I feel. 
I feel. My problem is like when I ask someone to hang out or text someone and they don't respond to me, I'm like, oh, I guess that means you want nothing to do with me. Yeah. And that's my self-worth. That's my yeah. meanness coming out. But I, that's the first thing I think about. It's like this person has so little time to just text me back or doesn't care at all about me that I'm not going to pursue anymore. Yeah, no, yeah. that's that's pretty much what it came down to me uh, with uh, one of my friends recently is that we were trying to figure out when we could hang out. And he like threw out a couple times and I was like, hey, I have this going on then and I have this going on that time too so you know we'll try some other time you know maybe next week no response ever to that and that was like two months ago right and so i'm like well i'm not going to cast you out but i'm definitely not going to reach out to you anymore to try and hang out because you're kind of showing that you don't want to cool yeah exactly i I get it yeah i i deal with a lot of self-worth like i just don't feel like i'm worthy at all and when people don't you know, reach out to me and I'm already introverted. So it's kind of like a double whammy. Like, no, I I totally (laughs) get it because I mean, I mean, you're right. How difficult is it to send a text, a text, right? Literally takes you two seconds to say, you know, yeah, we'll get together soon. And like, you know, actually pursue that. Right. But no, it bugs me real bad when people just like, don't respond to my text messages. Unless it's like a random message that like, it doesn't warrant a response. Like a meme. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the only way you can respond to a meme is with another meme. Right. Yeah. Like, or, like, and, yeah. Like if I just send a meme to someone, I don't ever expect a response. I expect them. They're going to laugh at it and that'll be the end of it. I brighten their day a little bit. For sure. But yeah, when you're actively trying to like hang out or do something with someone and they just keep blowing you off, like a lot of times I'm, I'm actively busy, but I'm not so busy that I can't figure out a time that we could do something. I can move around my schedule figure out what's going to work for both of us right well even just trying to record this pod getting us three together yeah and we ran into that and i like i probably made the biggest deal out of it admittedly and i do have to kind of apologize to you drew oh no dude well that would piss me off too (laughs) that's why that's why i was just like i'm I'm gonna take it curtis can say what he wants to say it's oh that's why i warranted the dinosaur thing because i felt like tensions were running high and i was like what is the stupidest, most random thing I can say to kind of break the tension a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> well, like even like in the conversation, I was like, you know, I'm I, like clearly, I was like, I know that I'm a little frustrated just with work today, and like I just kind of like let that go on Drew, and so like I tried to dial it back and be like, yeah, listen, this here's why I'm frustrated. Yeah, and for so, sure. Like, can we just figure out how we can make this work? Yep. So we can. Be buddy, buddy, and record this podcast. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> now we've committed to every Saturday we're doing something. <laughs> hey, c- consistency is key, though. Like that's oh, for sure going to be the easiest way for me to stay committed. We kind of talked about does failure hurt or help? I think it can help. It can also hurt. That's kind of a both. But I think uh, for me personally, recently failure has helped me a lot more than it's hurt me. And it's, I think it's because I've made a change in myself to be really cognizant about accepting my failures and why they're happening instead of attributing my failures to my worth as a person. Right. Um, 100%. You know, because I like, I used to get so like, I mean, at my old job, I used to get so upset with myself whenever I'd screw up a print or something like that. And I know a big part of it was the way that my boss reacted. 
and then towards the end, you know, even before I interviewed for this new job that I have, I got to the point where I was like, I don't know why I care so much about these things when, like, a lot of the times these failures are out of my control. You know, sure, there's little things you can do to try and prevent it, but at the same time, like, failure is going to happen anyways, and, you know, sure, my boss might react poorly, but I don't have to treat myself bad. And I think that's a big thing for me that's really helped recently is just saying to myself, I'm bigger than what my failures are. But I kind of that kind of takes us in a roundabout manner of something that I started to talk about even before we started recording on how like small businesses are failing. Yeah. And I think there's a certain aspect of it that is the economy and that while if you look at like the big numbers like the Nasdaq things like that you see you'll see that they're growing. But those are major businesses, major industries that are growing. It's not actually reflecting the middle class or small businesses. Right. But I think a lot of it is they're kind of doing it to themselves. Is a lot of these small business owners don't really have any business being in small businesses because they don't actually have a passion for what they're doing. Yeah. They're in a business just to make money. Mm-hmm. And really, the truly successful small businesses are the ones that you have passion in, that you're willing to find solutions to problems as they come up. Yeah. Because that's the gym or, that I'm having an issue with. It's a it's a corporate gym, but it is locally owned. Mm-hmm. And I've actually had conversations with the owner, and they said they said they were going to do something. They said they were going to call me, and we were going to talk about how we get a possible solution. Yeah. Ten months later, still Nothing. haven't heard from this guy. Damn. And it's not like they don't have my number or my email. And I've emailed them multiple times. Right. It got to the point where I actually emailed the corporate office saying, hey, you guys need to talk to these people in this office because I tried. I've gone out of my way, yeah. and I've just got nothing but more frustration with your company. If you know anything about business, advertising is great, but the greatest form of advertising is word of mouth. Yeah. And yep. negative word review, of mouth, yeah, oh, bad yeah. reviews hurt so much more. Like it takes like a thousand good reviews to outnumber yeah. one bad review. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I could go a lot more in depth with the economics that I've actually kind of monitored, but I think that's really the synopsis of how small businesses are failing. Yeah, for sure. I also think you can have too much passion and not enough really knowledge or wisdom. And I think oh, that sure. causes businesses to fail too. Mm-hmm. Like just because you have a huge passion to do something doesn't mean you're going to be successful at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes failure. That takes learning from it. But when you're talking about a small business where you're investing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. There's usually an ego that's built into it. Attached as well. But when you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of things or dollars, you kind of can't keep failing. Like you're going yeah. to go under. Yeah, you need to acknowledge where your failures are and hire make adjustments. The, hire the right people. Yeah, right. Uh, um, this is why I love George Washington. He was dumb as a rock. He really was. He was kind of illiterate. Like if you read his writings, he he can't really write well. He just knew the right people to put, to in, put place. in place. Yeah. Like you look at his cabinet and it's the all stars of the founding fathers. You have Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton are all in his cabinet. That is a who's who's of the founding father fathers being in his cabinet, being in charge of things. Cause he's like, Hey, these people are way smarter than I am at this specific thing. So, and if you look in retrospect, I think they were uh, in today's terms all across the aisle. Yeah. Yeah. Like all over the place. So yeah. Hashtag fail. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's both and. 
Failure can't hurt. It can't help. I think it hurts in the moment when you fail. Absolutely. But even talking about, like, just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And that's kind of the point I was getting at earlier in the podcast with followers and stuff like that. If you have a passion to, like, sing, be in a band, or start a podcast, or whatever, just do it and don't look at the views. Don't worry about the followers. If you're really passionate about something, people will follow you regardless. Yeah. Whether it's your friends or maybe it gets out into the world, whatever. The biggest people that are on YouTube are passionate about this, want to have fun, and just doing it for funsies instead of a very serious thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're doing it for fun, and it's one thing. And, like, if you find good, reasonable criticism, people are going to be critical about anything and everything that they want to be critical about. And I think it's to a point now that it's kind of getting toxic in our culture. For sure. About how critical people are critical people are being about other people's failures. And even when these people are willing to admit, yeah, you know, I was maybe a little bit off color and this wasn't, you know, as nice as I wanted it to come off as, but, you know, I have room to learn. For sure. It's still unforgivable on, like, the global and national scale. Right. Right. Cancel culture. Cancel culture. For sure. If you have a passion to do something, just do it. Who cares about failure? Yep. That's kind of my point. That's why I respect comedians like Dave Chappelle and Bill Beer. Uh-huh. There's this famous famous YouTuber, a big YouTuber that I watch all the time called Cletus McFarland. And they have like close to 2 million subscribers and all they are is like a car show. They just bought a racetrack, like a legitimate speedway. Really? Nice. That nice. was abandoned. They're calling it the Freedom Factory. It's amazing. Like, yeah, those are just three dudes that like to have fun with cars. And they tape it on YouTube or video it on YouTube. Tape. (laughs) I'm old. (laughs) 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 Put it on YouTube and they have massive following. So, What are they planning on doing with that track? Well, they called it the Freedom Factory for that purpose. So long term, I think they want to have circle track racing eventually. But it's basically this just their pr- playground to do whatever they want to do. Sure. Completely legally. Yeah. I mean, it's their playground. Their property. Their private yeah, property. it's just them, they're yeah. not going to get sued by anybody. Or not break any laws because it's their private property. Yeah. So now they can do like, you know, 200 miles per hour. On Cops show up and say, hey, we heard you're driving cars. Yeah, it's our property. Get yep. the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Drew, you were going to say something? No, I wasn't. Okay, perfect. It was going to be snarky and stupid. Perfect. But I like snarky and stupid. I was just going to say, I mean, well, in today's society and the way our government runs, they'd still show up and say, this may be private property, but we own it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You're in our country, bitch. No, 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 no. If there was anything that I've learned in the news in the last 10 years, if you get enough people with guns to hold up in a house, (laughs) they will eventually go away. Uh, maybe. Freedom, America. Regerts? Regerts? Oh, shit. I feel like we talked about this a few weeks ago. It's something like I think about all the time is how I could have started buying into Bitcoin when it was like trading under a dollar. Regrets. Got it. You really had me with regerts. Wow. Yeah, that's the kind of off I am today. <laughs> <laughs> no regrets. Yes, or regerts. So, yeah, in my earlier days, had I not been so into smoking pot, and I could be a billionaire right now. Yeah, if you own, like, one Bitcoin, 
Yeah. I mean, if you owned one, well, yeah, if I bought one Bitcoin back then, I definitely would have like a couple hundred thousand dollars it's off so of one Bitcoin. My dad still has some Bitcoin. Well, the problem with Bitcoin is like one year it can be worth a million dollars, the next year ten dollars. Yeah, it's like the yeah. most volatile currency, and very few companies use it. Yeah. So, cryptocurrency definitely still has merit. I think. Yeah, merit. Especially in terms of... Especially if you want to buy illegal shit. <laughs> Damn straight. Uh, no, but in terms of if you need to get money to someone on the other side of the planet. Yeah. Legally, or for illegal or illegal reasons. Right. It's, it's fast easy. as lightning. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And really, it could be regulated and still be used and probably closerly... Not closerly. Closerly is not a word. But more <laughs> yeah. monitored... Regulated. More. That's. I mean, I think I started that sentence with regulated. More closely monitored. Yeah. So that it's not being used for like human trafficking and arms dealings and right things like that. Right. Which I think is a lot of where it is being actually used. Yes, I believe. Oh, I for sure. Gross. Drew regrets. Not a regrets kind of guy. No. No, because this is something that. I've focused on a lot over the last few years. I used to say that I regretted so many different things, so many choices that I've made. But dwelling on failures, dwelling on mistakes in the past, doesn't change anything about your future. And regretting a bad decision that you've made means you're dwelling on the past. And it's not going to do anything for me. So, like, I mean, sure, there's things that I, I still think about, and I'm like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But I'm not going to, like, resent myself or legitimately regret what I've done because it's just not going to change anything. For sure. I mean, I have, like, casual regrets. Yeah. uh, Thinking about um, when I was (laughs) – it's so weird to talk about. But when I was a pastor, I was given kind of a big stage. um, And even being 24 years old, they wanted to put me on the weekend services. And this is before the advent of, like, Facebook being huge as big as it is now or Twitter or something like that. You know, we're talking 2009. I mean, I think Facebook was still what 2005, 2006, but it was still about right. small and thinking about, I think it really only started to take off in like 2010 and thereafter ish because you had like MySpace was still a huge thing. Twitter, I don't think was a thing until the 2010s. But thinking about, like, all the exposure I had being in between, you know, 18 to 24, 25, 26, and not capitalizing on that at the time. Like, even being in a band or running the attic and speaking and all these things, like, there, like a lot of people in St. Louis knew who I was just being in that sort of sphere. Yeah, I think we kind of talked about this before and, well, like, we how we could have used those venues with all the stupid videos we used to use back in the day. And we could have been internet famous years ago. <laughs> years ago. Uh, and it's kind of a funny thought. Like, I remember after we did an event called Attic Fest in 2004, and we had these dumb shirts that were black with white text that just said Attic Fest, and then it beats getting shot on the back of it. Yeah, that, those things were everywhere. <laughs> those yeah, things were everywhere. People loved that shirt. <laughs> they were everywhere in St. Louis. Like, anytime you went to a venue or a concert, you saw that stupid shirt. And we, what, spent. What, $3 a shirt on it? It was something like that. Because um, we made like a 1,000 shirts yeah. or 1,500 shirts or something like that. We sold a majority of them. 
Yeah, I think we only had a couple hundred left. Um, it was a second attic that shirt that no one liked. Because we had color. We actually spent money on those. And we're like, no, that's dumb. Yeah. It's not punk rock at all. It was navy blue with red text. I don't even think I have one anymore. <laughs> uh, I still have my attic staff shirt somewhere, I think. I think I have one at my parents' house, maybe. I think it's somewhere in my closet. Um, I don't think I have any Attic Festo 4 shirts anymore. I wish I did. I do. I still have an Attic Festo 4 shirt. Nice. I wore it when I saw Alf last Labor Day. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was ill-fitting, but I wore it anyway. uh, Whatever. <laughs> uh, um, but just thinking about that, like, kind of being semi-famous in a weird way in St. Louis and having people know me and not capitalizing on that. And then after I resigned from being a pastor falling off the face of the earth and not capitalizing on that at all it's kind of you're making me want to like go get some more attic fest shirts made <laughs> uh and I, I hadn't thought about that in a long time until one of my friend's weddings that happened at that big mega church that we like to rag on i was in the parking lot i had just parked my car and i was walking into the church and someone called out pastor tim and i was like wow I kept walking because that's not me anymore. <laughs> and then they stopped me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I went to that church and Pastor Tim and what are you doing with life and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, wow. Cool. I haven't done that in 10 years. <laughs> and cool. So that's kind of a minor regret, like not capitalizing on that. But that's kind of the weird thing when I was talking earlier, like, is that a measurement of success having this amount of followers and blah, 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 blah. And, but other than just. I do have personal regrets, like with the divorce and kind of just wishing that I'd done things better and even failing people and wishing I did things better. And one of the things that have been weighing on me has ha have my actions deter someone from Christianity or faith. That's something that does weigh on my We've soul. We've talked about that one before, too. Yeah, like well, that kind of does weigh on my soul a little bit. Like if my ridiculousness or my failures have push people away from the gospel and i don't know what to do with that because if we were talking about the kind of the big picture of christianity like i will have to answer for that eventually if i believe in that and if i believe in jesus he's going to say something about that when we get there and just dealing with that i mean i think your statement just here and of itself is going to be conviction enough and like whenever you're talking to jesus about it maybe like i see i see the state of your heart I know that you wish you had done better. I know that you're human, so I knew that you were going to fail when you did it. For so. sure. It's just me working on it personally. Yeah. And then even having a recent failure with somebody, it's like, oh, have I learned anything? Or do I keep doing the same mistakes over and over again? Have I not learned from this? Or It's funny as I actually do. I was thinking about this the other day. We, You and I actually had a conversation, I don't know, like maybe 15 years ago. And it was a conversation about like, how people continue to fail. Mm -hmm. And you just remind me, like, we're all human. We're all, we all fail and we all for, uh, fall short of the glory of God. Like, it doesn't matter how long you look at it. You're always going to forget something. Right. We are finite and there's nothing we can do about it. We just have to try and do our best to not make the same mistakes over and over again, learn from it, use accountability. Right. Well, and you so also re-preaching to you, suck it. <laughs> I'm glad you guys have learned my lessons from practice. Preaching. What you preach, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, part of the issue with me and that is 
I can't control other people's actions. And if they're not going to right. reach but out gonna, to me. and I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Okay. So this is something that I've been talking with Schaefer, my wife, a lot uh, uh, frequently. God, I can't speak either. Schaefer <laughs> totally. and I have been talking I mean, about like, this. In my eyes, I was like, totally, that <laughs> sentence made sense. Shakes my head. Schaefer and I have been talking about how we can't control people's reactions to what we do their actions or anything like that and that's something that like coming to that realization has helped me out so much like it's not being apathetic towards how they've reacted or how they're going to react or anything like that but it's realizing that you don't have control over it and it's like it doesn't it doesn't even matter how much you do to prevent a reaction if it's going to happen it's going to happen Right, you know, and so I th- it's I think for me it's been so important because I used to get caught up all the time and being like, well, if I would have done something differently, right. you know, this person wouldn't treat me the way they do now or something like that. And it's like, no, they probably still would, you know, for sure. It it kind of is what it is. I think as long as they're apologetic, if you're talking about a personal failure or, or failing someone, as long as they're apologetic and really have that moment of no really I've really messed up in this moment and I'm sorry. Yeah. Then it's really up to the other person and how they respond. They can either respond positively and you get back on track and you have a friendship again or they respond negatively and they just kind of blow you off and push you aside. Right. And that's not on you, that is on the other person. Exactly. You still have to show that I messed up, forgive me and really mean it. Right. It's up to the other person whether or not they accept that. Yeah. And that's all you can do is you know, apologize for any wrongdoings or anything like that. Right. You know, like you said, you can't control the way someone reacts or, or something like that. They've made that decision. Yep. You haven't. Exactly. And I have a tendency to fly off the handle depending on the situation. So that's fun. Like playing hockey. If you mess with my goalie, you're getting punched in the face. I'll apologize later. Maybe. Depending on I mean, that's, that's a lot of hockey. Like, it's a lot of <laughs> hockey. I feel like, at least in America, is mostly Canadians, right? And like, Canadians are generally very friendly people. Until you make them angry. Until you make them angry, you get in a fight, and then after the fight, they're like, "Hey, sorry hey, about that. Eh? Let's go have a drink." <laughs> at least that's like maybe like maybe the very incorrect stigma, but I feel like every story I hear about Canadians just like reaffirms that for me. And so they're just like, yeah, we can go have a drink after we had a fist fight and we, you know, got our angst out about it. Right. Oh, that reminds me of another failure that I had when I had a fist fight in the church parking lot. Yep. That happened. Well, mm-hmm. who was it that you fought again? Uh, his name was Dan. I'll leave his last name out, but it happened at the church parking lot. I was there for that. Nice. Yeah, it was awesome. It was cool. So any final thoughts, Curtis, as we wrap this up? Final thoughts. I think, when, uh, like, circling back around to the regrets thing, I don't have any regrets about how I have treated any of my friends or people around me because I've always been kind of straightforward with them. Like, I'm going to treat you as I would treat any member of my family, as I would expect myself to be treated. So my regrets are very personally just where I, you know, see where I could have done better for myself, but I hold all of my friends accountable to the same standards that I hold myself accountable to. Fair enough. Drew, any final thoughts? I had some, and they decided to leave my brain before I used my mouth. So 
Hashtag regrets. Hashtag regrets. <laughs> I totally regret not saying anything. Not saying anything and choosing not to interrupt Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I, I mean, wouldn't have I, remembered it. There are a lot of times that I'm like, you know, am I like mentally messed up because I decided to start smoking pot when I was 17? I don't look at Drew and I'm like, nope. Nah, <laughs> I'd have probably been about the same anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Brains, man. Yeah, Brains. They're a weird thing. Right. I feel. Nothing. You know, I can't think of anything right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's fine. It's been one of those days. It has been one of those weeks. I just had a long work week. Oh, I just remembered it. Oh, okay. perfect. Go for it. Boom. So at work, my new job, the week of onboarding, they, you know, they go through all those dumbass, like, company values and shit like that that you know no one really cares about um but specifically something that like resonated with me that they say is like having the freedom to fail Hmm. and uh i think that's like super important i mean obviously in the workplace Mm -hmm. you want to hear something like that but giving yourself the freedom to fail Mm -hmm. i think is really important because if you can't accept that you're gonna fail that is really powerful you know you want to know, I uh, this was actually pointed out to me in this last week. Uh, the company that I work for, one of our mission statements is um, promises made, promises kept. Mm-hmm. You know who coined that? No, I don't. Donald Trump. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Ugh. <laughs> That's Maybe take a whole different look at my company and just be like, okay. <laughs> I get it now. This all makes a lot more sense. Right. Because... Mexico's going to build that wall. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I can't help you political. It's a political year. I immerse myself in it. I work for the government. I try to delete it all. That's fair. After getting so heavily bombarded online for my political views, I just decided I don't really care anymore. I mean, like I was mentioning earlier with the wallpaper and the paint, like that's the government for you yeah yeah (laughs) for sure my final thoughts i guess is don't be afraid to fail and when you do fail if it's failing somebody make sure you try to fix it make sure you try to mend whatever is broken so you don't later regret it yeah because honestly you never know what's going to happen in this life where someone can be taken from you and a snap of a finger and you don't want to have that i never said goodbye to that person kind of a thought I know it's kind of morbid, but we should kind of live like that. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed any of those things. So it's about mending friendships and family and making sure when you do fail somebody to try to mend that the best you can without trying to control the other person because you can't. Yeah. And you can only do the best that you can, which is why I've really been focused about a couple years now on love and what the Bible says about love and just if we just loved each other better none of this would be a problem we wouldn't see failures as this big thing where it breaks up friendships or whatever it would just be like we're human let's work through this let's talk about it let's get through it because I love you but a lot of time ego and pride gets in the way where we want to push aside that you hurt me so get away from me type of thing and there is instances where you do have to do that the person's so toxic or evil and you have to push people away there is legitimate things especially in abuse 
Um, or if someone's been cheating on you for, you know, forever, you're like, no, that's toxic. Push that person away. Absolutely. And that's part of being apologetic and seeing the conviction in someone's heart. If someone's like cheated on you and like, no, I'm going to continue to do this. Screw you. Then obviously you cut that person out. That person's toxic and downright evil. But if there is conviction, if there is something there, then you need to go forward with that. You need to actually love each other in that moment. and figure it out. Right. And we shouldn't be afraid of failure either. We should fail forward. We should fail maybe even faster in trying to do the things that we're passionate about, trying to do the things that we really are, do love, and doing it anyway. Who cares what kind of happens? As long as it doesn't harm you or anyone else, like, try it out. Why not? You want to start a YouTube channel? Go go for it. You want to be a Twitcher? Do Twitch. If you want to be a performer, be a performer. If you want to start a stupid podcast where you're drinking beer with your friends, start a stupid podcast where you're drinking beer with your friends. Because why not? Yeah. This didn't cost me anything to do. Well, the equipment, but whatever. Yeah, don't lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> but other than, but other than that, that's the only thing that cost me to do this. Yeah. And it was, I mean, an initial setup, which I think we're finding more and more value out of it. Just being every together. Time, yeah, every time we sit down and have these conversations. Right. So learn from your failures and don't be afraid to fail, especially if it's something that you're really passionate about. Do it anyway. Why not? What do you, what do you really have to lose? Yeah. Even if this podcast is a massive failure, the only thing I've lost really is time. But even then, I can't count that because I'm hanging out with my buddies. Yeah, I mean, right. like, I, let, let, right. let's be real about it. If we have zero listeners, like... We'll probably still do this, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, so then the only thing I lost is money. Yeah. And I can always gain that back if I work harder or work overtime or whatever. It's fine. Amen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of my final thoughts. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about failure. We had a whole other topic that we were going to bring up, and we don't have time for it. We've already been talking for almost two hours. Um, and you're going to have a lot of editing. <laughs> yes. You just, lots I think really what it is, you don't want to edit anymore. <laughs> I mean, we can continue talking, but I'm kind of getting antsy and tired. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. So that's kind of the final thoughts for me. Um, check out the website. Check out the blog. I'll have something up on the third Thursday of this month. Tyler's episode will go up before this episode to put in perspective and time. The Super Bowl is tomorrow, so that's when we're recording. So, yay. Remember God's chosen team. Yes. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. <laughs> Which will be funny when this comes out on the 13th. And the 49ers one. Yeah. <laughs> and the <right>. 49ers one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, check out the website. Please use the contact form if you want to just interject or say anything that you want to say to any of us three. Yeah, don't be afraid to say anything. Get at me, bro. Get at me, bro. And that's all we have for today. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye.